You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family. Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Sarita Gates. Sarita is an art collector, culture creator, and archivist committed to preserving hip-hop culture. Now, with titles like art collector and archivist, you probably have a preconceived idea of who Sarita is. You are also probably wrong. A native of Southside, Jamaica, Queens, she originally went to New York City College of Technology with aspirations of being a chef. But she figured out in the first year that it wasn't for her. But Sarita didn't just change her major. She left altogether with an intention of charting her own course. Sarita's commitment to making her own way eventually led her to an opportunity to design a jacket for polo. She would eventually go back to school to obtain her bachelor's degree in urban youth culture, but she's still doing things her way. She has masterminded creations like Yo Stay Hungry, a live culinary competition that bridges hip-hop with food and beverage, and wrote a book about social entrepreneurship for the millennial generation. After a conversation with famed filmmaker and writer Dream Hampton, Sarita set her sights on a new career as an archivist. She's now completing a master's degree in this space, has founded the Gates Preserve, and has engaged in archival work for feature documentaries and films. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. So take a listen and enjoy. Sarita. Yeah. What's up? What's up? Welcome. What's up? Welcome to the December 26th podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. No doubt. You've got like a really chill vibe. You know. uh, Which we appreciate. Low key. For sure. Low key is good. (laughs) (laughs) Low key, but doing some big, amazing things at the same time. So let's do, we know you don't have a lot of time. So we're going to jump right into it. All in. Let me see you all in. (laughs) Who is Sarita Gates? Uh, that's a good question. Sarita Gates is a daughter, a granddaughter, uh, a friend, um, a hip-hop archivist, a preserver of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I am committed to creating what's missing in a culture, specifically. I am... Damn, who is Sarita Gates? That's good. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> Um, we come in hard from the beginning. Yeah, who is Sarita Gates? Sarita Gates is an auntie. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Yeah, I try to be of service. Uh, I believe in gratitude. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of what I would say who I am. Okay, so I want to call out the preserver of the culture. And the mm-hmm. reason that I want to bring that out is because you hear that term yeah. um, from people who have been in the game since the beginning. Yeah, right? of like, sure. If we just speak to hip hop uh-huh. specifically and like the cats who are like 50 and over. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> like speak to that, like we're preserving the culture yeah. These young, you know, young kids don't get it. You are not 50 and over, obviously. Nah, if, <laughs> not I, even close. if I was, I look mad because my <laughs> jeans are popping. <laughs> so what drew you to that mission? Absolutely. So um, my grandmother died, Jesse Mae Jones Darvity, um, died when I was 21, mm-hmm. like three days after my 21st birthday. And so uh, she, not to get in this whole long drawn out story, but she had dementia. And so when I went back to college, I had dropped out and got kicked out at the same time. When I went back to college, I found myself taking classes, chasing after her. Like okay. I wanted to know more. Like she was a part of the Great Migration, born in 1926, moved from Greensboro, North Carolina to Harlem um, and then Queens, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of like maybe like 10 years ago. Well, damn, I turned 21. Ah, nine years ago, whatever. Um, And so significantly later, 
you know, just thinking about uh, how I got introduced to hip hop, period. So uh, I think it was what, 90, it had to be 96. My uncle had an SC400 cream Lexus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm at my grandmother's house chilling on the steps and I hear, it's the Jeeps. The Lex Coops, the Beamers in a bit, mm-hmm. like blasting from his Lexus. Um, him and my cousin walk in. He has on a Versace silk shirt uh, with the matching shades and she has on a DKNY bodysuit. And I'm like, and I'm like, hey, Listen, I don't know what this is, but I need to be down. Period. <laughs> At eight. At eight. And so, you know, as I got older, just thinking about the work that Misa Hilton has mm-hmm. done, June Ambrose, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, so that's the thing that I'm like, oh, let's hold that. Um, so you can bond those two a few years later. And I'm like, listen, um, thinking about jazz, thinking about how it's often that other people are telling our stories we got to preserve our stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's important that we archive, that we digitize, that we um, curate our stories in such a way that it lasts forever, mm-hmm. period. Especially around hip-hop. Hip-hop was not supposed to last. Like, mm-hmm. hip-hop was not supposed to be a thing, right? right? So I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. So a few years later, um, just doing a documentary about hip-hop journalists, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few. One of the journalists, woman named Dream Hampton, mm-hmm. brilliant, the God, she was like, yo, you're like a hip hop archivist. And I'm like, what's like, let me go to the Googles and mm-hmm. I Google archivists. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then I see Beyonce's Lemonade. And I believe all of the answers are in the acknowledgements and books and in the credits and films. Mm-hmm. Beyonce got an archivist. So now I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is this is really interesting. So I was like, oh, I need to meet her. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Britain one time, um, which led me. And then during that time, not only was I like collecting magazines, I was collecting artwork, photography, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this archiving thing is interesting. And as you know, being on social, yeah, we for the culture, preserving the culture. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so that's kind of like the introduction to like preserving the culture and what, you know, that looked like for me and what it has looked like over the last few years. So when I think about an archivist, Mm -hmm. let's just take hip hop out of it. I see like some old white lady. lady. (laughs) Exactly. Like any archivist that I ever met on campus, you know, you're researching was like some woman with like chunky jewelry and, you know, large sweaters. (laughs) Yes. Shout out to sweaters. Not this. This hole in the archive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I love telling people I'm an archivist because I look like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm in the archive like this, like hoodie, maybe not a hoodie. Like you, the last thing you would think I was was, a, right. was an archivist. But I think it's important for people to see me in my true self, like, you know, how mm-hmm. I move to the world like this so that young people in particular have another frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. They could be like, oh, nah. Because when I'm speaking to young people, the first thing they're going to do is going to like, Look at me up and down. Oh, what shorty got on? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. She got on the MX-97? I got those. She got a crystal? She know about them? Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And then when I tell them I'm an archivist, they're like, so what's that? You right. know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, just my fit or how I move through the world allows um, young people to now have an archivist as a possibility mm-hmm. for what they want to do in the world. So take me back to... What school were you at? Hunter? Which, uh, yeah. Or, is the, that where you started? No. Nah, okay, so where did you start? Started at City Tech. Yeah. Um, right. How did you end up dropping out slash getting Get kicked, kicked out? out? Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, what were you majoring in? So I want to be a chef. Really? Yeah. Okay. I want to be a chef. Um, in high school, I was like, like my first entrepreneurial venture, I was selling popcorn in like fourth grade. Okay. Snacks and after school was trash. 
Um, so in high school, I was like selling cakes and mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm I want to go to culinary art school. I really want to mm-hmm. do this. Um, and so I went to City Tech to be a chef. And I kept failing the algebra placement test. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that time, I was like, yo, this school, can I curse? We try to keep it to a minimum here, yes. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah, this school situation is not working out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, and because I kept failing the test, I'm like, yeah, this is not really for me. So... I got kicked out because I kept failing the test, but I was like, yeah. I'm but you had already established that that's not yeah, what you wanted. This is, this is not it for me. And so, yeah, I did one year mm-hmm. at City Tech, mm-hmm. and then I was out. So what was the next step for you after you left there? I had to figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. My mother made it very clear, you are not chilling on my couch, not doing anything. Like, that doesn't work. Um, but you know, the stars align. Um, super grateful. I found some young people that look like me. So... I used to wear mad polo, mm-hmm. mad, like borderline, like low life without boosting. Right. Um, and so during that time, like I had transferred from wearing a lot of polo to a lot of rugby, which is mm-hmm. same brand, just, you know, different, um, different joint. Kanye West had this line, oh, the polo rugby, it looks so nice. How can something so wrong make me feel so right? I was like, oh, I need to find out where this store is. Mm-hmm. So it was during that time, um, I saw some young people that look like me on polo.com, which never happens, right? Right. So I called the polo corporate office. They connect me with this dude, Oscar Cohen, brilliant head of corporate responsibility, also having to be Ralph's best friend. Um, who connects me to this dude named Devon Bradley. Devon Bradley runs this organization called Team Revolution. He connects me with Devon. I speak to Devon. Devon, like, yo, you ready to change the world? Wait, pause. Yeah, yeah. You just called Polo. Yeah. And what did you say when you called? I saw this thing online. How can I be down? Like, so context also matters, mm-hmm. right? So I grew up with my uncles telling me to call places to get stuff for them. So my mm-hmm. uncle be like, yo, call a Gucci store, order me the sneakers in the size 13. So I was already familiar with mm-hmm. calling places and getting information that I needed. So yeah, I called them. I don't remember exactly what I asked for, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was like, I saw some black kids. Yes. Can I get that? Like, how do I be a part of this thing? So yeah, I was super grateful they connected me with Oscar, then connected me with Devon. Devon, like, yo, you want to change the world? I'm like, cool. I'm trying to get fly, period. <laughs> All this change in the world mess, that's cool. If that is the byproduct of what happens, great. They connect me with Devon. Um, you know, he has this program called Polo Fashion Business School, mm-hmm. in which his organization partners with Polo. Um, yeah, I was a part of that. End up designing a limited edition jacket for Polo Ralph Laura and kind of like the rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> Who okay? Who just makes a phone call, right? I don't know. Gets connected to this person, to this person, to this person, yeah. and then ends up designing a whole jacket. A whole like, jacket. I was like eighteen, like straight out but, of like high school. But had you had any experience in what? Design, fashion design. Nah. My whole commitment in life during that time was to get fly. Period. <laughs> That's all I wanted to do. Like, with my entire life. Like, I was going to, you know, shout out to Genesis. Dad, I don't even think Genesis is there. Like, I had my first Vanton on layaway. Mm-hmm. My first main coat on layaway. Like, you know, I was committed to fashion. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So when I got the opportunity, I was very clear when I got in the building at Polo. I was like, y'all will remember me forever. Mm-hmm. Period. So you designed... This jacket. Yeah. Then what happened? Um, heck, then what happened? It feels like so long ago. So I was doing like community service projects with um Devon's organization. I did mm-hmm. like a mural. Um, we had like a bunch of really legendary graffiti artists. We had Coke 2, Two Fly, Indie, Sarum from Y and I. Um 
yeah, I was doing that. I thought I wanted to be a photographer. So I had connected with like the brilliant Jamel Shabazz. Like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? Um, I did that. Um, I did like public allies for a year. I was rocking out with this um, this uh, organization in Brooklyn. Yeah, I just tried everything that I thought I was interested in. And I was, I was, I'm grateful thinking about it now that my mother actually gave me the space to do it. Right. Like, yo, get a job. And I've never been a kid to like ask for money. I'm like, I'm good. I'll figure it out. So all these things that you were doing, like how how were you able to monetize? Because a lot of these opportunities yeah. that come, mm-hmm. people are like, you want to be down, yeah. but you're like cutting your teeth and paying your dues without actually making money. But yeah. you were able to sustain at least for your needs at the time yeah. financially? Like, I'm like, I need to buy Louis Vuitton sneakers and fly jackets. I just, so all my money was clearly going to clothes. Mm-hmm. But how I was able to like sustain myself, again, I've always been a hustler. Mm-hmm. Like I've always figured it out. So I'm sure I was selling cakes. Sure, I was selling lasagna. I'm sure I was like, it was during that time I learned about like running programming mm-hmm. for like teenagers. Yo, my first, like the first program I ever ran, I was getting paid $100 an hour. I was like 19. $100 an hour at, at 19, 19. And I you had was, left college. Peace out. <laughs> so I'm like, if I could make $100 an hour, I only really need to work 10 hours, $1,000 a week at like 18, 19. Right. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But let me just figure out how I can finesse my situations. Because I was doing the murals. I was like, oh, people can actually pay me to get walls because now I know how to get a wall. Mm-hmm. Graffiti artists need walls. So I think forever I've always been like, all right, what's the problem? How can I create a solution for the problem? Mm-hmm. If I create a solution for the problem, I can get bread. Everybody eats me. So you're eating off all of these different lanes. And, and, and also, let me be clear, a lot of them I did for free, mm-hmm. right? Like, I did my mural for free. I was doing this polo uh, fashion business school program. We didn't get paid for that. I was doing Team Revolution. We didn't get paid for that. I didn't get paid for mad stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was like, listen, this is what I'm interested in. I'm good. You right. don't got to pay me. I'll figure it out. So if you're hungry, you'll move like you're hungry and you'll figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? And I also, I don't have, I didn't have any responsibility. <laughs> like, right, you're home, right. Rent. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know that's a real thing for, for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I was grateful I didn't have no responsibilities. Like crazy. Mm-hmm. I was paying my phone bill. Right. Like during that time. Oh, to be but, like that age right? again where all you it had was, was a phone bill. That was it. <laughs> phone bill getting fly. So how many years were you on this program? Like how many years were you just kind of bouncing around before you discovered this archivist situation? Forever. Um, This archivist situation happened like last year. So so from age 18, 19 Mm -hmm. to age 31, 31, you were just like kind of hustling, finding different opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And just creating what I thought was missing. So like. In 2000, 2014, I was rocking out with this school in Queens. Shout out mm-hmm. to Bogus Martin one time. I created, like, Yo Stay Hungry, which is a live culinary competition that brings mm-hmm. hip-hop food and beverage. I did that. I've done so many things, and not to, like, oh, I've done so many things, but I was like, let me just do all the things. Like, I was writing for an online hip-hop publication um, called Carter. I created my own magazine called The Score. I was doing... Um, I was supporting this woman named Esther Armas, super brilliant, with her um, radio show on WBAI. Mm-hmm. I launched my own segment on her show um, called History Means Hip Hop. I, uh, I was one of the founding members of like Travel Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, what else? Oh, I, the program I was rocking with in Brooklyn um, when I was a public ally, uh, we got like maybe over 500 young people tested for like HIV, which was dope. So I ended up winning Glamour Magazine Top 20 under 20, 25. Mm-hmm. I was just doing that stuff. 
And what? I dropped the book when I turned 25. That was cool. And what was the book about? Uh, it's, it's called Just Because I Have Moments to Inspire the Next Generation of Changemakers. Mm-hmm. So it was about social entrepreneurship and millennial generation. So you're doing all these things. Like, yeah. what is your mom saying? Is your mom like, this is cool? Or is she like, are you going to go back to school at some point? No, nah, my mom's is with it. Mm-hmm. My mom's was like, she's out of trouble. She's not asking me for bread. She got a head on her shoulders. She's all right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I ended up going back to school in 2009. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I got to pay in my own situation. Mm-hmm. Period. I've been paying in my own situation. What does that look like? Um, so yeah, my mom's has always been like super supportive. I think it's interesting, like her talking to her friends about me. Yeah, you know, Sabrina, yeah, she's out of town. She's in Chicago doing blah, 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 blah. So it's like, like that is funny to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, two chains said it, right? Like, Always to make your mom's proud. Right. Period. So I, I believe that I've done that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like grateful that she's always been supportive. She's never been like, nah, go to school. You need a degree. Da, 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 da. I was making it work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it worked. It's, so it, it definitely has worked for you. <laughs> I wouldn't have been saying <laughs> But one of the things that people talk about as a barrier to entry um, with like having these crazy ideas that they want to execute is I don't have capital. How do I put on an event? How do I curate this? How do I launch this? Let's take Yo Stay Hungry for an example, this live culinary competition. You're out here doing things for free, making money where you can, but you're putting on whole events at the same time. So that, how did that come about? And how are you able to actually execute um, without, say, deep pockets? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So... How it came about was essentially because I knew the school had a culinary academy. Mm-hmm. I was so Yo Stay Hungry was really supposed to be something about like art and food, mm-hmm. art, hip hop, and food. So if I'm, somebody want to take that idea, like go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we, I was in August Martin, they had a culinary joint. I was like, oh, let me Google hip hop and food. Google hip hop and food. The only thing that comes up is a. Uh, an article with just a bunch of lyrics on it. So T-bone steak, cheese, eggs, and welch's grape, spaghetti, fettuccine, and veal. Uh, like, all the things, right? So I might have been 50 of those joints. Um, and so I was like, yo, hip-hop is all about beef. But <laughs> Like, it makes sense. Like, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about hip-hop and food, outside of thinking like an action Bronson, and that was before, like, a food, what is it, food? Tales, full misinfo show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those things didn't exist then. Right. Right. So I'm like, oh, this would be dope. I got access to young people. I don't know chefs. That's never stopped me before. Mm-hmm. Let's put it together. It, that time I was, you know, working with this other organization. So I was like, yo, pony up the bread. They was like, cool. So it just, you know, the bread just happened. Um, just because I asked, really. Okay. So tell me what that ask looks like. Because clearly, right, you have a presence. You have okay. New York swag about you, a right? A little bit. A little bit. Um, but did you, when you call and you're pitching, mm-hmm. what does the pitch sound like? Does it sound like Pony Up the Bread? Like, nah, I'm not. I, don't, I didn't think so. <laughs> so. I'm not saying that, but I'm thinking about like, one, what problems do they have? Mm-hmm. What solution can I offer? So if I'm doing the program in the school and this organization is committed to young people fulfilling our passion, purpose, and dream, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, yo, they have a culinary program. It's a bunch of young people passionate about cooking, committed to being cooking, um, commit, committed to being chefs or culinary mm-hmm. artists or food photographers or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how it adds up. I'll do everything. And they said, okay. Yeah. And I have a history of making stuff happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I can say, yo, I did a magazine. I did a book. 
I did a radio joint. I helped start a company that recently got sold to Blavity. I did mm -hmm. bop, 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 So if you create your own track record versus waiting for people to like, okay, you, it's kind of easier to build these relationships. It's easier to, um, you know, to pitch a thing and somebody like, oh, no, nah, you know, yeah, she could do it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like J, the J line, like your word was everything. So everything you said you do, you did it. Couldn't talk about it if you ain't live it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, one thing you could count on me for is keeping my word. If I say I'm going to do something, that's it. Yo, I'm going to do y'all stay hungry. It exists. Like, mm -hmm. this year was year five. So it's continuing. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Like, we did um, Biggie Day this year. Um, it was it was excellent. Like we did a panel at South by Southwest a few years ago. We've done, we've done a tour. We've done, um, we've did. Yeah. I think that John was a few years ago. Jonathan Mania had the 25th anniversary for reasonable doubt. Like we catered, mm -hmm. like we've been doing, you know, some things. So I'm grateful that people see it. They understand the vision and they rock with us. So in addition to that and a number of other productions, I do want to talk about uh, Travel Noir because Travel Noir is wildly popular. Yeah. I went to Zanzibar with Travel Noir. Oh, yeah. And um, 20, early 2017. That's January. Crazy. So wow. how I how I was on. I think I did by then. Yeah, I had um I had started seeing the, the ads and the, the posts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um I had, I think, maybe signed up for the emails. I don't remember, mm -hmm. but I got this message, this notice about this trip to Zanzibar yeah. that, like, wasn't full yet. And it was going the week before my birthday. Yeah, he was like, and, hey, girls, we out. But that's just it. I called no one. Oh. I was like, I'm going to step out of step out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and it was my, so what was that? The beginning of 2017. So that's my 35th birthday. So it was a milestone birthday. Oh. Um, And I said, I'm just, I'm going to, and I'm an introvert, like, yeah. to the fullest. <laughs> I had my crew that I travel with. Yeah. Um, one had recently gotten married. Like, people were kind of breaking off. So I was like, I'm going to just sign. I'm going to oh. go on this trip. Yeah. And whoever I meet there is who I meet. Yeah. So I went to Dubai first. Oh. Um, spent a couple of days in Dubai and literally just landed at this dusty airport yeah. in Tanzania. Um, stayed a night there and then met up with this crew. Like, and had this amazing experience yeah. in Zanzibar. And then traveled to Asia the next year with two women that I met on a Travel Noir trip. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it it Travel Noir for me was like a way to connect with women who were similarly situated and people who were similarly situated yeah. that I'm still friends with, you know, to this day. Um, and, so, and now people are talking about the trip, so I'm going to Travel Noir. We all saw it when they got bought. But how did you get involved? So relationships are everything, mm -hmm. period. Do not be a dirtbag, period. <laughs> Do not be a dirtbag. Like, just be a good person. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you don't need to use people. Just be a genuine person. Mm -hmm. And so when I had one Glamour Magazine Top 20 Under 25, Zim, who found the yeah. Noir, also on Glamour Magazine Top 20 Under 25. Mm -hmm. So during that time, we had just been talking about like a bunch of different ideas that we could do together. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't like there were mad black people right. or people of color who won the Glamour Joint, right? So we were just going back and forth for mad years. So this one particular year, was it 2013? I'm like, I don't even know when Travel Noir got started at this. When? 2000, maybe it's 2013, mm -hmm. right? So it's, um, is it 2013? It might have been 2013 because I think I turned 25 and I graduated... It was my graduation year. Mm -hmm. So I go to Italy for a month, study abroad, da 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 My experience was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I got called the N-word out in Italy. I'm like, not surprised. It was yeah. wild. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, 
<laughs> this is crazy. Zim went to India for a year. Her experience was completely different. Mm-hmm. So we're going back and forth sharing our experiences. And she like, yo, let's start some travel joint for like us. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yo, we were going back and forth. Send me a name and an email. It's like, yep, it's game time. Let's get it. And like the rest is history. Like in the beginning, it was me, Zem, Alfonso Jordan, like brilliant. Um, and I think maybe Marat or Marat came on like a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just, and we was moving that joint like it was a company. Like we created the uh, the fellowship program, mm-hmm. like I had like spearheaded that, which was great. And we just got to work with mad millennials who are lit and popping, doing mm-hmm. amazing things. And we was like, oh, you want to travel? Here's the keys. Mad points, mad points, mad points, mad points. And we were like sharing the gospel. And yeah, and then I had dip and the rest is history. So what made you decide to, to leave? What made me decide to leave was... When you are a part of something, it's actually, to some extent, it's not the something. Mm-hmm. It's the people. Always the people. And so I was just really clear that I cared more about the people than the thing. I'm okay. like, I can do a million things. Mm-hmm. We could do a million things. It's not about the thing. If you don't take care of your people, you don't got nothing. Right. Nobody's going to ride for you. Um, and so... Yeah, I was just like, we had a good run. We've changed thousands, if not millions of lives. Mm -hmm. I'm good. There's no love loss. Right. Whatever y'all need, hit me. But yeah, y'all rock out. I'm good. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. See you at the top. And you, I I know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, man, I should have hung in there? No. I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) No, because it's like, who are you in relation to the thing? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not worried about getting money. Yeah. Money is money has always been a part of my story. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about uh meeting new friends. I got mad friends. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried like there's no like fundamental thing that I was worried about. Like when they got so I was like, yo, congratulations. Like it's been so many times, like I've met so many people through that process. That's like whatever I was supposed to get get from it, that's exactly what I got. Like mm-hmm. I got lifelong friends, like my boy Al. That's my brother. That's my man. If mm-hmm. I call him right now, yo, I need something. He'll have it to me. Ace. Like, that's been true for years at this point. Mm-hmm. So, nah, it's no regrets that I have. I don't regret leaving. I think what we started together was brilliant um, and important and necessary. And we actually shipped, we shipped the culture. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing... Yo, Evita from No Madness, killing it. Right. It was like Novita, Evita from No Madness. It was Kenji who was doing Passport Life, and it was us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that line, only dudes moving units is in pimp juicing us. <laughs> That's literally what it was. And Evita is killing it, and it's still killing it. Shout out to E one time. But we were doing something different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you're doing something different and innovative, and nobody else is doing it the way you're doing it, you like... Does this work? Right. People rocking with it? Like, I got a screenshot. I have all the screenshots. When we had 500 followers at at Travel Noir. Wow. When we had zero followers. I remember when, like, I got the email when we named it Travel Noir. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, I have all those memories. It's nothing for me to regret. Right. At all. Be great. I got to say that I was a part of that. Mm -hmm. Like, that changed the game. I was grateful to be a part of that. And let me just say you are an archivist because the way you have weaved in hip-hop lyrics throughout this conversation is like... 
expert level. Um, but let's so let's let's fast forward. You discover this world of archivists after hearing uh, the word from the great Dream Hampton, yes. who's also the mastermind behind Surviving R. Kelly. Yes, Brilliant is. work. Yep. Um, crazy. Changed the conversation hey, around R. Hey. Kelly from that that yep. docu series. Um, so how did you go from being an archivist? This is what I want to do. To I am an archivist. I just said it. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> and like, then every time I say a thing, like it's a joke, like I laugh out kind of like myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I say a thing, that's it. That's right. the thing. Mm-hmm. I said I was a hip hop archivist before I even went to school for archiving. Mm-hmm. Just because I said it. You know what I'm saying? If I'm like, you know, it's kind of like when not necessarily you're from around the way, mm-hmm. but if I'm telling everybody I'm the flyest on the planet, nobody is more jiggy than me. You are the thing until you decide you're not. Mm-hmm. Wayne came up in the game and why Wayne has killed it for so many years. Wayne was like 14 saying he was the greatest. Right. So when they, when Wayne is the backbone behind a Nikki, a Drake, a little Chucky, et cetera, et cetera, you're like, wow, I guess he is the greatest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that adds up. Jay talking about, I used to want paper like Puff till I realized Puff paper ain't enough. Look at that billionaire. It adds up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think I've learned very early on, if I can utilize language in a very particular way, if I told you as an art collector, would you believe me? Sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Why? Because my Instagram reflects that. Because when I talk, I'm talking about art. Because I go to shows. Because I do ah, 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 ah. So I'm like, yo, if I say a thing and then do the work to back it up. If I told you I was a fencer, you would believe me. Mm-hmm. Because I got the receipts. So I'm like, oh, I can just copy and paste that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Hey, archivist, what up? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know? discover this world and then you decide to go to grad school. Yeah. For this. Yeah. So you are pursuing, yeah. um, let me make sure I get this right, moving, yes, get a master's degree in moving image archiving and preservation from NYU. Yeah. From NYU at that. Yeah. So great school. Dream went there. Mm-hmm. Maddie C from the source went there. Mimi Valdez graduated from um NYU. So it's not too shabby at all. Not bad. But what does that degree entail? Knowing how to make sure stuff lasts forever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like it's a super rigorous program. Mm-hmm. You're taking like 16 credits. Shout out to the whole um MIAC crew. Yeah, it is hella rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm grateful to be a part of the program. What I got cooking for this thesis is going to be a problem. Oh, I'm sure. Um, be a problem, but yeah. But you're not just studying this. You are working as an archivist yeah, now. Yeah, we live it. Yeah. So um, what does living it look like for you today? Um, so living it looks like I got something cooking, cooking, cooking. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. But we got some things cooking. Um, but yeah, I have a personal collection um, that has over like 2,000 pieces um, that range again from photography, visual arts, a um, whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, I have like, we acquired some other collections mm-hmm. um, and I've supported people with right. the actual collection. And talk about that a little bit, the support work that you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, listen, say, I'm trying to think of as an example. Say Misa Hilton, right? Mm-hmm. Her body of work is crazy. We could talk about Kim, Mary, people don't know it, Jodeci, Foxy Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, Misa touched everybody, right? So I'm like, does she have all of her work in one place? Mm-hmm. Is it digitized? Um, 
Is it maybe in an institution? Is it um, categorized? Is it itemized? Where does it live? Is it in a box? Is it in somebody's attic? Is mm-hmm. it in a basement? Is it in a garage that needs to live somewhere? You know what I'm saying? So it's essentially having chopping it up with people or institutions, companies, et cetera, and being like, yo, what you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. For real, for real. Because I think what often happens, and unfortunately we, sit, we saw it with Prince, they hired an archivist after he died. Right. Imagine a world, and anybody could do this, right? So people around the world, if you're listening, archive your stuff now. Mm-hmm. Preserve your stuff so you can tell the narrative that you want in the world versus what somebody else has shared about you. Mm-hmm. So essentially, that's, yeah, that's what I do. And I love talking about that work. I love getting into kind of like the nitty gritty of, of curating stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That is what archiving has afforded me to. So how does work find you? Are you actively pitching? Are people just calling like, I heard you do this archiving thing and how can I be down? Yeah. Really? That sounds crazy. Yeah. It does sound absolutely insane in a good way, though. Yeah, that's kind of like how it happens. People Mm -hmm. like, we know you collect, right? Like, I have a crazy, uh, I have like every issue of the source. I have every issue of Bob. I have every issue of like Ego Trip. Where are you storing this stuff? Shout out to Queens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's in Queens somewhere. In in Queens somewhere. Yeah, it's in Queens somewhere. So, because when I think about archiving magazines, it's not like they're just in a storage unit, right? Because yeah. you're preserving the quality. Yes. It's, we got acid-free bags, mm-hmm. temperature controlled, preservation copies, right? So instead of having like one copy, I might have five copies. Mm-hmm. One, if I need to scan it. Two, I need to keep the actual like master copy, the integrity. And that, that master copy might not have um, your address at the bottom, mm-hmm. right? It might be like a, a copy from the newsstand from back in the days, mm-hmm. whatever. I have that copy. You know, I just got to keep like the free joints on that. So, and how are you finding this stuff? People like holla at me, eBay, you name it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm asking for stuff often. Like, I ask. I make a lot of asks okay. all the times and often. But yeah, like, that's how I'm finding it. People are, like, giving me stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've been grateful that people are like, yo, Samita, I'm thinking about, uh, 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 I'm like, oh, my biggest thing is, like, yo, let me know how to support. Right. Period. And that's with anything. Mm-hmm. That's, like, if people want to know major keys around how they could get into a building or an industry, et cetera, et cetera, that's going to be of service. Mm-hmm. Period. So one of the things with areas that may not have um, a long history, mm-hmm. right, such as archi- archiving in this space mm-hmm. at this magnitude, one of the struggles I think people have is trying to figure out how to value the work that they do. Yeah. So how do you come up? Like somebody's like, I, I want you to do A, B, C, and D for me. How do you come up with the numbers? Yes, with the <laughs> numbers. <laughs> um, I think it depends. Mm-hmm. Like if I got a high out, which is all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like what other people's rates are. Yeah. Figuring that out, the equipment, adding up time. Yeah. And and again, it depends. Because I'm not just an archivist, because I do mad other stuff, it could depend on the actual project, mm-hmm. right? So if you hollered at me and you might have been like, yo, Sarita, I want you to archive, uh, I don't know, my home, like my family photos, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But if we worked on something else a few months ago, a few years ago, not that I'm going to give you the homie part. I don't believe in the homie part. <laughs> the homeboy like, connection. Yeah, me either. Pay, yes. Especially if they get people, pay them what they are worth. Right. What they say they value themselves at, et cetera. But I might just be like, ah, I charge you 10 grand for that other thing. Ah, give me five. We'll see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everything is, like, negotiable. But, yeah, the fees, vary. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are a character in the, in the best of ways. Like, I, but you know what? This is what it takes, though. Yeah. It takes yeah. like confidence in yourself and like an unwavering belief that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it and I'm going to sustain myself. And I'm going to leave a legacy and make an impact doing exactly this. And it, it wasn't like that all the time. Right. Like when you get comfortable in your skin, mm-hmm. when you are clear what your purpose is, when you, you give your word to something that exists in the world, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can do one of two things. You can choose not to step in it or you could step all up in that joint and right. decide you want to own it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, I own this. I'll take this for 500 Alex. Because who else, if I'm not going to do it, if I'm out here just talking mad trash, like, oh, nah, I'm committed to preserving the culture. And this no disrespect to the people who actually do, do decide they don't want to do that work. Right. That's cool. I got it, though. Mm-hmm. I'll take it on. And if I'm not able to change and transform how we think about, like, archiving and preserving the culture and ensuring that hip hop lasts forever, then I haven't done my job. Mm-hmm. And somebody pulled my coat because I wasn't the right one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. A time where I had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day, I won't. So just because my book had just come out, mm-hmm. I was throwing a release party, great, all the invites, tickets sold out, da 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 da. I ain't had no books though. Wait, but you wrote you wrote the book. The book is written. You, you didn't have actual copies. Physical copies. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're at so the, the release party is like Friday night. It's Friday morning. There are no books. The books were supposed to come in the mail. Mm -hmm. UPS. So I'm on Atlantic Avenue and I get the email. The books is in like some UPS, some some place in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. That is not helpful. I don't know. I didn't even get a number. I think they emailed me like the location to where it was at, but it's not at a UPS store. It's at a warehouse. Yeah, like a facility. How Mm -hmm. do you get... Yo, I drove over there. I, me and the security Jones for like an hour. Yo, come on, baby. Like, all I'm saying is, <laughs> the books is right inside. Like, you can get the books. Like, I'll wait for the book. Like, what's up? He was not hearing me. Every UPS man that came out that store, out the warehouse, I have a request. The request is, I got a book launch tomorrow. Tonight, I need the books. Can you help me with the books? Mad people said no. Mad people said no. There's this one guy. He was like, yo, shorty, you've been out here all day. I was like, I know. Here's the situation. My man, 50 grand. Can you do me a solid and just go up inside and get the books? He was like... I could do it for you in like an hour if you want to hold tight. No doubt. I'm here. Too hungry? You need something to eat? (laughs) So that was crazy because before it happened, I remember calling my moms and like just being like, yo, mom, how am I going to have a whole release party for a physical book that does not exist? Like, I'm getting pumped. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? My mother was like, well, make it happen. Wow, that's really encouraging, mama. (laughs) Like, thanks. She said, make it happen. I was like, bet. That's all the battery I needed. I was out there for hours. And I'm shocked that you actually got them because UPS, they're not supposed to do that. Like, this is the blessing and the curse of living in the digital age. Everything has to get scanned. So if you call them, they're like, it's just at a sorting facility and we can't do anything for you until it gets scanned for pickup in the system. So the fact that he broke all kinds of protocols to help you. I'm grateful for him (laughs) to this day. I wish his life all types of love and joy. (laughs) I would have given up. I'm not going to lie. I would have been like, I'm just not going to have it any It was books. mad hot. My car, the AC was bugging. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I was hungry. I was just out there from now on. What, I'm about to leave without the books and look crazy for my book release party holding up what? My phone? <laughs> a picture of the book. A picture of the book. So I have, to, I have to know, what kind of numbers did you put up on this book since it's been out? I actually don't even know. Mm-hmm. I literally don't You haven't know. tracked it? I haven't. Like, I'm getting royalties. I'm give thanks. <laughs> so the book is is selling. Yeah. You're just not tracking. Yeah, I'm not tracking, mm-hmm. but the checks come in. Listen, I'm as long like, as the checks come in. All right, so what is on the horizon for Sarita Gates that you can talk about? Yo, stay hungry, lit. Uh, <laughs> I started this company with my boy, Randall Wilson, um, recently for a most incredible one, which we do hip-hop inspired Lego sculptures. Wow. So that's really dope. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Randall one time. Yeah, we're working on this docu-series shaping a culture about hip-hop journalism, what that looks like. Um, that should be coming out soon. Yeah, just stay tuned for the Gates Preserve, baby. The Gates Preserve, which we, we didn't even really talk about in detail because you got to get out of here. But in a blurb, yeah. what is the Gates Preserve? Don't believe it's just watch. That's what well, it is? Know that we are committed to archive and preserve the hip-hop in such a way that lasts five months. Okay, got it. And where can people find you online? The Googles. <laughs> Spell your name for the people. S-Y-R-E-E-T-A, Gates like Bill. Got it. You have money like Bill one day? Just call me Philly Collins. I feel a billion is in the end. <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen, Sarita Gates and 42 Minutes Flat. You could have been anywhere in the world, baby. You know what else? We appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. I'm going to be watching because big things are coming. And I'd like to see some other people interview at you as well. So like when you get those big TV interviews and bringing this energy on like Entertainment Tonight, I'm going to be tuned in. To our listeners, find Sarita online. Um, I'm interested in your work, man. Thank people you. Appreciate look it up. I'm going to be doing some research as well. And then December 26th, there has all kinds of docu-series ideas in the in the pipeline. Oh, so um, we're we about, we about to have some conversations right. at another time. All right. So listen. To our listeners, 26ers, like, share, subscribe to this podcast. As always, thank you for your support. And remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thoval. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.